1: Hello and welcome back to the MK1 podcast, your audio hub for everything, Milton Keenstons. Well, well, Ross, uh, another week passed in, in MK1 and unfortunately another disappointing result. Um, we will chat about that and other things. But first of all, mate, how are you? Yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty
2: hectic day, obviously, recording on the Wednesday. And then um, we've been here watching watching the whole boxing antiques and Politics once again creeps into into sport again, and yeah, it's 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 been a bit of a weird week. But um, me and Joe went to um, Wrexham versus uh, Notts County versus Wrexham, sorry, and it was a, it was a really good tie to be fair. But um, yeah, looking forward to um, diving into the Peterborough um, clash and um, looking forward to towards uh, Shrewsbury, sorry.
1: Yeah, it's been a pretty bad fortnight if you're at Eddie Hearn. Or Edin General, or Eddie fan, he's had a pretty, uh, pretty <laughs> choice pretty atrocious few weeks, say the least. Um, I'll probably, will definitely miss him one fight, might miss another, and uh, yeah, his receipts are getting pulled out left, right, and center, so mm-hmm. it's not good for him. How was, uh, how is Rodriguez at North County?
2: Oh, he's, he's, he's an incredible player. He uses a lot of confidence, and um, he, he, you can certainly have that feel about. I, I do believe he, he's a, probably a future. Future League One Championship player, he's, You can tell he's a, he's, a, he's a different different breed in that league, and he yeah, as I say, he's just that real element of calmness about himself, and he he, he loves a ball in behind as well, and I I, I do feel Knox County are going to go far this season.
1: Yeah, they say both teams started off pretty well, so who knows? We might see one and lead two next season. I mean, I think for their sake, you probably hope so. okay take it? no. <laughs> Oh God, yeah. Well, speaking of MK, let's get on to it. Um, I think before we even before we even get on to the matters on the pitch, let, let's talk about off the pitch, get out of the way with Ross. Um, obviously we had the whole situation with Lewington's this week and I mean some of the pictures going around of it are just <clears throat> honestly dreadful, quite frankly, absolutely dreadful. And it's this is this is a point which you know some people might take the wrong way, but I feel like the soul's kind of been ripped out of the club a little bit in some senses you know, Lewington's was a thing that, you know, DSA um, and several other organizations fought re- really hard for to put together. And, you know, whether it's on the club regarding the safety regulations, whether it's on other people in, in terms of the council on that, but, you know, having, having it is, as it is now is, is shocking quite frankly. And I think it kind of just is what well, highlights just what the hell has been going on these past four to six months. And, I I don't particularly agree with some of the things they're doing. Um, obviously this is a bit different because it's a regulation apparently, and um, you, you'd have to say it's maybe the clubs thought that they those regulations weren't followed properly or they weren't sanctioned properly. But Ross um, Stadium MK, I mean, I think a lot of people were delayed getting to the stadium on Saturday. But to be honest with you, it wasn't like it was a a bad thing at all. It was it's quite a it's quite a, a dismal place to go at the moment.
2: Yeah, it's, it's the whole match day experience in my eyes. And I, I feel like we can go all the way back to last season in terms of the season ticket issues. I know, obviously, Pete apologised about that. And um, obviously, we, we do understand as fans um, to a certain length, but obviously not receiving a season ticket until what? I, I think it was a couple of, couple of months into the season for me. Um, and then obviously, fast track into this season. I, I just feel them, there's no match day, Phil. Um, before the game, half-time and after the game. I just feel with Lewington's, I felt like at the start, obviously pre-match, you could have a few beers with your mates and um, you could sit down if you wanted to and watch the football. And I felt like that Lewington's, yeah, it wasn't great. It had, it had its faults, but it was somewhere for the fans to go and enjoy enjoy themselves if they wanted to watch the early kickoff. And for them to take that away is, yeah, yeah. That they can they can go on about obviously the fire certificates and all this and that, but as you say, Liam, they they should have known the pros and cons of right at the start when when they formed Louise and I think it's a fault of their own. I think they they are to blame for the why why they're in this situation, and um, I just feel they're not being very progressive with the DSA or anyone at the moment, and I feel sometimes they do forget that as fans are more than fans to this club. And I think the um, the um togetherness of the fan base just shown through, obviously, the COVID when we all left our money behind, I think that's just a element of we're more than fans to, obviously, Winkleman and those up top. And, yeah, it's just a real shame the way things are happening off the pitch at the moment because of... In my eyes, I do feel like it creeps onto the pitch at certain points in terms of the atmosphere and everything surrounds it. I know obviously this season I don't know whether the figure's are down. I haven't really looked at the attendances, but I just feel there's not as many people attending. Um, and I, f- I do feel like the away the away numbers are, cr- are really boosting up our numbers in terms of the attendances. And yeah, it's just not really a good feel around the place at the moment. And I know, obviously, me and you, you Liam, we we go elsewhere prior to the match, either either to uh, the pub we go to, or uh, elsewhere. But at the moment, yeah, it's 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 really um, it's a poor poor start to the season off the pitch for the club for sure.
1: Yeah, and that was the thing with Louis. You know, you mentioned about the pub we go to, Ross, and without saying its name, where it is, it's a good two three miles outside from the stadium, so it's. You know it takes a bit of a drive to get to and from to the actual ground. So Louis is kind of a space where the fans could literally just go and have a as Rossi, go and have a drink at the stadium and literally go from there straight to their seat to watch the game. And that that not being taken away because it still exists, but I think what it actually is now is just an empty room with mm. of course they have the DSA sort of um supporter shop where they sell loads of kits and old programs. But you know that's to, for that to be its primary function is uh it's a bit worrying and I you know when you look at other clubs how they did it you know it was like Walsall for example we're going to in a few weeks their club bar is fantastic you know they welcome home fans welcome away fans it's a proper like bar essentially you go outside it's outside the stadium before you head in um you know bar staff are really friendly drinks are fairly cheap for Birmingham sort of standards and really good club and that's and I think for me that's how you do it obviously you know we have facilities to have a stadium to which you can have a bar inside but clearly the club they might blame age on this and i don't really buy that excuse to the people they have brought in you bring experienced people in if times like that but you know they we are a young club but making those sorts of mistakes is just like a bit amateurish really and it's a, it's a real shame because um hopefully they can get it resolved sooner rather than later and they have submitted plans to the council so it'd be good to hear what they hear from that um and hopefully they are open communications regarding that but yeah, overall, it's um, it's a real shame, and it's 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 unfortunately a reflection of what's going on in the club at the moment overall, which is uh, not a good sign, unfortunately. Okay, and yeah, we're we'll going we're we'll going to the game now because um, I focus on the pitch stuff as opposed to off the pitch. And uh, Joe's kind of joining us before we get into the game. Joe, how are you, mate?
0: Yes, very good. Now I'm uh, had my dinner and I'm nice and refueled and, oh, raring to go. <laughs>
1: Yes, Say yes. so we were saying, um, as you jumped on the call, like you were very fortunate uh, not to beat the game on Saturday because, um, as I'm sure you'll you've would have seen it, it was pretty pretty poor. Um, obviously a three-two loss to Peterborough. Um, I listened to Darren McCanty's podcast before I came on today, and he called it the most I comprehensive. Guy, I as well, yes. Yeah, yeah. He called it the most comprehensive three-two you'll ever see. Um, so that kind of shows their thoughts on it. all. Uh, he said they played well. I mean, I thought they did all right. I mean. I think when Don's play that bad, I, I, think, I think all you have to do is be okay, to be honest with you, to get three points. Um, and we'll get into it, but I, I think it started from the team that was picked. Honestly, I think we lost the game as soon as I saw that team come out. Um, I was saying in the car to um, Ken, and thank you very much, Ken, to get me to and from Harpenden on, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, very much appreciated in the fact that, you know, I think as soon as I saw Jack, Zach Jules playing as centre-back, I thought we are going to lose this game as I I said it even before the team came out, I don't feel that you can start Zach Jules in a league game like that and expect to win it. Um, I feel that Louis is arguably the most progressive player in the team and to be trying to play progressive football and not start deeming them into the most most progressive player is just counterproductive to me. Um, And then the first goal when it goes in, I think the lack of marking, admittedly it was Oigoke and um, Tucker's side, but the cross comes in from Jules' side and the marking is just absolutely shocking. So it's with 1-0 in like two, two and a half minutes, something like that. Um, you know, Don's had their spells. They had created a few chances. You know, Matt Smith had a quick breakaway, which unfortunately did it most of. But, um, you know, other than that, I, I didn't really see much from like Don's side. And, you know, the second goal within, I felt they got booed off at half time. I don't I don't boo players, but I didn't really didn't say, didn't see two reasons why they shouldn't have been. Um because there was a poor uh, second half started again poorly. Obviously he went from three, 0 no down. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it, but the changes that are made sort of a bit of life, you know, Henry Lawrence came on and surprise, surprise, Henry Lawrence starts where he plays usually and doesn't create two goals, but as a part it's playing both goals, we scored. Um, and yeah, we, we lose and it's, it's a difficult one to take another loss at home. Um, still just in the relegation zone, just about not, that, not that looking at the table is a, uh, Smart thing to do at the moment. But Ross, obviously, we watched second half together with a few of the other lads. Um Say say we're a bit downbeat, but how did you find it overall, mate? Yeah,
2: I've, I've, it's obviously a disappointment, obviously, losing a game. And the thing with me is uh, it's it's a bit of a weird one because of every team loses football games in this division. It's just how you lose them. And how we lost that game on Saturday was poor. It was... Let's just let's take away the fact that them two goals at the end were down to Peterborough being three 0 up, cruising, cruising, switching off, and that's it. That they didn't track their runners. Right, let's just go into the start of the game. You're opening fifteen minutes at home, you think try and get into this game and play play your way into the game, and we didn't. We we conceded as you say, Liam, in the opening three minutes, and uh, we're we're already chasing the game, but. The thing what annoyed me the most is, and it's basic fundamentals when it comes to football, is man marking. It's such an easy thing to do. And the the way some of those, the way that back three tried to defend on Saturday, it made me think that they'd never played together before. And it it really worried me. Oh, sorry, not back three, the back five, because the, it wasn't just the back three's fault. Um, and yeah, it was a man marking, and I talked about Johnson Clark Harris prior to the game, and we let one of the best players in the division have a free shot on target. I wish you
0: didn't listen to last week's episode, then Ross, Did they? <laughs> Oh yeah, of
2: course. And it's it's just so so frustrating. It's a case of I don't mind if we play bad in the opening fifteen minutes, and we just try and find our feet, but we didn't. We 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 played bad for what? 89 minutes and we're just going into my next point, cheap individual errors in this system. I I do accept errors are made because of the way we play, which we we do play some risky stuff at times. Um, And obviously Ethan Robson has been asked to play obviously alongside Josh McKeprin in the middle of the pitch. And um, he, he will make mistakes, but even even just putting his, his mistake, which led to the goal, um, the what I believe it was the Ricky J Jones goal, just putting that to one side, Ethan Robson had a howler he, in the middle of the pitch. He wasn't winning any of his duels, he wasn't intercepting the ball. And then when, when we did get the ball, we'd pump it long. And Just checking right now, uh, Will Griggs five foot 11, and um, we're pumping it long to five foot 11 striker. And I mean, I learned from the Nielsen days when Kieran Agard... um, Nielsen, Tisdale, whoever it was, um, when Agard used to play at top and we used to pump it along to him, and did, didn't they realise then? It's, it, does, it just doesn't work. And um, yeah, it's, it's really concerning and the whole team just looked disjointed. And um, I think Liam Manning always goes on about identity and I, don't feel, I, f- I felt we lacked any real identity in the whole game. Um, and obviously, just going forward, there just wasn't enough progressive passes and um, everyone was playing it safe yet again. And it just reminded me of performances like like Bolton at home. It just reminded me of that performance yet again, but we were playing against a much better opposition. And yeah, I tip Peterborough to obviously um, go and win the title this year. And yeah, granted that I think they're just outside the playoff spots, but I wouldn't be surprised if, they creep up into their auto spots near the end of the year. But I said it at the start of my obviously reaction. It's just how we lost that game in my eyes. And um, I think you just had to look around at 90 minutes and saw how empty the place was just to realise how much of a performance the players actually put on because of that result with everyone leaving after what 60, 70 minutes. And yeah, I don't, I don't agree with people leaving early, but when you're three nil down and, there's players walking back and they're, they're, they're not man-marking. As I said earlier, it's, what, why should they stay? Because they're not showing any fight until the 89th minute. So, yeah, overall, a disappointing afternoon, but I think it's, it's more than that performance. And I think this team really need to uh, look at themselves in the mirror and say, well, look, need to stand up and be counted here.
1: Yeah, and we know quite a few who left way before 60 or 70 minutes to uh, put into context how bad it was. So, yeah, for those of you who weren't there, um, it's hard to put into words how bad it was, but, you know, hopefully me and Ross did a bit of justice in the fact that, I mean, it, it was it was fairly bad. And, I mean, Ross, I don't know what your thoughts were on this whole line-up thing, but for me, as soon as I saw I know it's hard, easy with hindsight with Robson, but I personally don't think Robson will ever work in a box formation in terms of the midfield. It had, it had to be of McEachran for me, and obviously I mentioned my thoughts about Jules. I don't know what your thoughts are. when We saw that lineup.
2: I don't think I, I looked at the lineup and thought we we lost a game because obviously I understand the changes we did make. So Jules out for Louis. You talked about obviously why is he put Jules in there, and um, we saw obviously in the wide areas Butler and Ward. They were They were really wide, and they were they were crossing, putting balls into the box, and they were re- really dangerous balls, and. I thought the, the likes, obviously, Puku and Ricky J. Jones would try and attack our back three and try and beat him on raw pace. And I don't think that really, really um, played into our hands. And I, I think Jules was, was brought on for the more physical and pace side of things. And I know, obviously, Louis, we can bang on about how slow he is and this and that. And is how he in, inputs the attack, I just felt it that. Picking Zach Jules wasn't the reason why we lost that game. Um, as for Ethan Robson, if we look 12 months back, or I think a little less than that, maybe, he was one of our better performers in the squad um, in that middle of the pitch. And you talked about, obviously, why you put you wouldn't put him in the box formation. Yeah, he wasn't playing in the box formation, but last year, I'm looking at games like Pompey at home, where we won 1-0 and he scored. That that he was, he was playing box-to-box box there and he was covering so much ground, intercepting everything, winning jewels. And I think at the moment, this team's so low on confidence. And I think that kind of sums up even Robson's performance in terms of, he's just out form. That's all he is. And I think Manning's trying to play him to get him into form. And um, I don't feel, I think it's a bit harsh to say we lost the game before it even started because of um, Peteborough's away form wasn't great going into this game. But... I understand where you're coming from in terms of the selection of certain players, but yeah, I do think, I do feel like it's a bit harsh to say that.
1: Yeah, it probably is harsh. And I just looked at the team and didn't inspire me whatsoever. Um, and I don't know, I think of Ethan. Yeah. I think he's doing him wrong. He's a great midfielder on his day and I think he works perfectly in the two, but as a four, um, <laughs> this is not for me. Uh, I don't think he has, I think he's brilliant when he wants on his day in terms of winning the ball, but actually distributing it. Um, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan to be honest. Um, I think he's more of a David Cassini type player, to be honest with you, in terms of how he plays. Um, and yeah, I've said my fingers on Jules, so I'm not going to repeat it. Um, Joe, finally, obviously, you weren't there on Saturday, um, you're elsewhere, but from what you've seen, uh, what, what did you think of it?
0: Yeah, well, I guess my views are a bit more general rather than sort of the specific to the game. Um <clears throat> But I think, you know, in terms of, you know, what went wrong as such, you know, I look at that team and I think, you know, I think we have kind of maybe accepted that look, it's probably not a playoff quality team compared to other teams we've seen this season. But at the same time, I do think that you can't say that Liam Manning isn't getting the most out of these players. But at the same time there, that doesn't necessarily mean we need to change manager. You know, I think Liam Manning's got enough credit in the bank to, you know, get some time here to try and work things out. You know, I don't... This thing about taking time to gel, you know, we, we, we've had summers where we've, you know, the players have been completely turned over in a year. We've had Januarys where we've lost six players. This, and Under-Manning, and he oversaw a complete change in the team when we had five or six players come in and they'll leave in January and then come in, you know, like Robson, O'Reilly, um, who else left? Um, Max Waters, um, the keeper... Kiyoso. Um, Fish. Fish, kioso All these players left in January and the replacements were bought in and we carried on. as if, And if anything, we improved second half of the season. So, I don't buy this whole need to gel. I just think... Liam Manning needs to change change some things. Now, I look at the Peterborough team. Peterborough started the season playing four at the back and didn't go too well. Switched back to a three at the back, which is what they played last season for most of it. And they had six losses in a row. They changed back to that four at the back, which is what Grant McCann... Because uh, like you, Liam, I've listened to the Peterborough Chairman's uh, podcast and um, he was saying how the manager wanted to play four three three. We recruited for 4 3 3. So they go back to this 4 3 3, and all of a sudden they've won three games in a row. Now, I look at our team and the makeup of our team. We are not a team that is built to play three at the back. Okay. We've got Daniel Oyogoke, who plays centre back or full back. So that's a defensive full back, right? We've got him playing wing back. Daniel Harvey, we know his. He, he can do a job at left wing back, but we do know his' limitations there, and there was always a more attacking option on the right-hand side, such as a Kessel Hayden or a Kioso. We didn't buy that this summer because we weren't going to be playing three at the back. You know that wasn't the plan. The reason we've got so many wingers is because we were going to play a four, two, three, one, or a four, three, three or whatever, with wingers. Now, I look at that lineup on Saturday. Not only are we playing three at the back formation, you know, so five out of the seven, we've got seven defenders fit at the moment. Five of them are playing. And then I look at how many attackers we've got and wingers. If you take away Mo and uh, if you take away Mo because obviously he's injured, there's seven there. We played one attacker. We played Will Grigg. We played five defenders, four central midfielders and Will Greek. That That was our team. And I don't, you know, it's no wonder that we've got the lowest XG created in the whole league because it's a team full of, okay, there might be a few technically nice players, but, you know, where's your Nathan Holland? Where's your Louis Louis Barry's? Where's your Dara Burns? Where's your Dan Kemps? You know, there's no players there that you think, oh, God, they're going to change the game for us. They're going to create chances. And when you're playing the three at the back, you, you know I look at teams in this league that play three at the back. You've got Plymouth who've got Barley Mumba, who's practically a winger at times. These are absolutely awesome. And then Joe Edwards, you know, an industrious fullback who works his bloody arse off. You've got Bolton, and we saw what Bolton's wing backs done to us. They turned us inside out. Um, Connor Bradley and I forget the name of the other one. Um, and then you've got Sheffield Wednesday, who play Marvin Johnson, an ex-winger at wing-back, as along with Liam Palmer, someone that's, you know, been playing championship for years and he can really shift. Derby County, they're playing Nathaniel Mendez-Liang at right wing-back, right? We do not have wing-backs, yet we're playing a system with wing-backs and refusing to play... And even even some of these are struggling to get in the squad. You know, wingers that we've brought in that are going to be creating... Char- we've got four strikers and we are playing a formation with one striker. You know, we've got Will Greig, we've got Matt Dennis, we've got Joshua Coyote, and then, you know, obviously we've got Mo Issa. You know, are we just going to have three strikers on the bench for every game? It's, um, I think Manning just needs to work it out because, and I think he just deserves the time to work it out. Um, But look, I don't think all of a sudden things are going to change and we're going to be challenging, you know, for the playoffs or challenging for automatic promotion but I do think that there is a lot more there that Liam Manning can extract out the team. You know, we saw in the game against Watford, Dara Burns, and who's the, who's the other one that started behind Will Grigg? It was Barry. Barry, there, you go. Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> we started two wingers behind a striker and we were a threat all night. Yeah, we had hairy moments, but we were, we were a threat and we were attacking Sheffield Wednesday, we played Louis Barry and he was causing trouble. Sheffield Wednesday is probably our best performance of the season because let's face it, Morecambe wasn't amazing. We were just clinical and Will Green is bloody good at finishing. You know, this is what it's, you know, it, it, it's for me, it seems fairly easy and it might not be as easy as that because I don't know how the players are training. I don't know you know, if anyone's having issues off the pitch and slight niggles, I don't know that. But for me, we've got so many attacking players that we've not really even seen. Nathan Holland, he's, he, I genuinely would think that he's, you know, he's probably someone that Manning's pushed to sign because Manning, you know, he he, he was his youth team coach, for goodness sakes. And obviously, you know, I'm not saying, oh, that's the reason definitely to sign him, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Manning obviously knows this guy's got something. But it almost seems like he's not playing just because he doesn't necessarily fit into a box formation system. So why don't we just go back and give that system a trial? So uh, that was a bit of a rant but and a bit long, but I just think it's not necessarily one thing that is wrong. I just think it's a combination of things, but I just like something different to be tried because... It's, you know, it's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And starting four central midfielders and five defenders, it's wearing pretty thin for me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't disagree with much that at all, to be honest. Um, I, I suppose the one point I take from all that is, you mentioned Liam Manning needing time his coach at time. Realistically, how much time are they going to get, do we actually think? Because... I know one of our listeners got back asked us a few weeks ago about a giant Trance window needing to bring people in. Um if we keep playing like we are, I'll are we surprised if some faces get till January to prove their worth, quite frankly. I don't know what I mean, Ross, what are you, what are your thoughts on in terms of you know getting to January, but also in terms of I've Joe mentioned it might take a long time to get this all sorted. I mean, how long do you reckon it'll take yourself?
2: Uh it's, it's a bit of a weird one because of at the moment, we're 10 games in, he doesn't know his best team and he doesn't know what, what's the best formation at the moment. That's quite simple in itself. But in terms of time and this and that, I think it's easy to scapegoat a manager yet again um, if players don't obviously perform. But I think there's an element of taking responsibility for obviously your performance. And I think obviously... Um, when Russ Martin left um, obviously we had that game, game I believe it was against Bolton um, and we had no manager and we, we saw what obviously without obviously not having a manager we saw how collectively collectively as a group um, they got together and um, they had a bit of belief in themselves and I think this is a perfect opportunity for them to do that as well just to get together and say look we've got to start taking responsibility for our own performances instead of letting the manager do it So in a in in a weird way I, I fail to believe that Manning's not putting in the right work or I, I do believe that he's telling them everything he can and showing them everything on the training ground and breaking down performances we know what he was like last year he was never too high or never too low and no. yes yeah, easy to say that now and yeah we we laugh about it but it's and i'm not saying this season we can we can say that but what i'm saying is the work is being put in it's how the players execute that, and I think, yeah, Joe had a really, really good point there in terms of obviously the formation and that. But I think the reason why Manning was forced to go into the back, the, the three at the back, was because of the creation, the chance creation. We weren't getting enough sh- enough shots off, and yeah, we could say we were pl- we were performing against better the better teams in the league. But fans were moaning about doing three at the back, and then when we do go three at the back, fans are moaning we want four at the back so it's it, it depends how you look at it and i'm not i'm not saying i disagree with you joe cuz I, I do i do agree with you in terms of the players we've recruited but it's it's a ter- it's a it's a bit of a weird one for me because of you can look at the facebook fan fan groups and you can look on you can look on forums and this and that it's quite every fan base has a fickle bunch so it's a case of i think yeah, we, we, we don't need to point fingers at the moment. We just need to get together and um, stick together and um, hope. Well, I wouldn't say hope because of hope's a bit of a drastic word at, the, at this <laughs> point in time uh, with 10 games into the season. But I think we just we just need to, the players just need to start. I don't know what it is, but they just need to start clicking. And I think it's easy, easy for us to say they need to start clicking, but as I say, they need, they just have to take responsibility for their own actions.
1: Oh, well, I think going to carry on. Go on, hurry on I
0: on. was going to just. I think Ross just summed it up perfectly because he was saying about you know you, you how you you you're saying how you agreed with what I said, but at the same time, the players need to take responsibility as well. And so I, I I just think that's you know that is it because I just think all round we're not at our optimum level. We've seen flashes from players. Um, but, you know, you can, I think at the same time with players not playing their best, you know, I think that it could be helped if, I don't know, maybe systems around them might help them to perform better. But at the same time, you know, we've seen some of these players before. If Ethan Robson, for instance, we know he's not a bad player, but he's playing bad at the moment. Um, and so I think it's just little things like this. There's There's no definitive quick switch answer. I think it's just a combination of things, you know. I think you were going to mention about confidence, Liam. Uh, we we put we mentioned, we are talking about that before the game, uh, before the podcast, sorry. You know, you got confidence of players. Could that be affecting the, you know, with such a young group, once their heads go, is that it? Um, so, yeah, I think just think it's just lots of, I don't think there's any one thing you can point out and say, this is absolutely dreadful. What are we doing? We're going to get relegated because of this. I just think there's just tweaks needed in a lot of areas, but... You know, I think we've got good players in the building. I don't think we've got a relegation squad, and uh, and this is the thing as well. It's a squad, a big squad. So I know you mentioned about January, and um, but realistically, where's the room? I'd say yeah. the only room is just with loan players going back early, perhaps.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I mean, some of the way some of the players haven't utilized so far. That wouldn't be too much of a surprise, obviously. Our, our wish is that they do get utilized in certain areas. Um, but I know, I know someone mentioned Ayogoke, okay, and is you know he's it's weird because you see the the it's, two it's, sides Ayogoke also, okay, also. So you see the Ayogoke okay, for England, who's doing like for the all these sort of skills and he's playing right back. Liam, yeah, exactly. He's not yeah. playing as a winger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because
0: he's not a winger.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I trust me, I know he's not a winger. Trust me, trust <laughs> yeah. me. I've been endorsing yeah, for centre I've endorsed being centre back for the whole season. Um, but yeah, so you see him do that for the England from right back. And then, yeah, obviously for us, he's playing out of position. And, uh, well, I mean, you, I said we we're seeing him play, so we know exactly what it's like. Um, I mean, the only other point that I sort of saw as a fair comment, it wasn't a ridiculous one in terms of, oh, we're going to do this and that, is that, you know, I saw I saw a comment about the team maybe like lacking experience. Now, I was having a conversation with a few lads about this on the way back, and I actually don't think the lads lack experience at all. I think they just lack experience. I think they have experience in certain areas to which other squads don't have. For example, the Irish lads playing in Ireland, competing in these cup tournaments. And to be fair to them, I think for well, for lads like Devoy and Burns, I think talent probably got them through certain situations, but they have they do have unique experiences compared to other players in this league. I just feel that obviously the lads being such a young age, so there's there's not enough characters in the dressing room. Obviously, we have the Louis, we have the McKechnuns, but I wouldn't say Louis is a massive character overall. Maybe he's behind the scenes, but on the pitch, I don't see much of a character there. Um, I think Was is trying to step up and be that character, and at times he can be, but it's hard because he's a young lad. Also, he's still developing, and yeah, I, 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 and it's, I just, I'm just not. I don't know. I'm, I'm not seeing the like the like the characters I saw last season. I know it's different squads, but I mean, I don't know what your boys' thoughts are and the sort of quote unquote lack of characters in the squad from your perspective. But I think from mine I'm just I'm just not seeing it quite yet. Maybe it'll develop over time. But for now it's a bit of a concern for me.
0: I think yeah we, we've got experience, but you know let's just let's not forget that one of our most experienced and better players was the one that you know made that clangour in the playoff first leg and got himself sent off uh, in Josh McKeckrin. And We've got players, yeah. As you say, like Warren Ahori, he's played a hundred games for us now. You know, Jamie Cummin, he's been he's played over probably over a hundred football league games now, um, or certainly approaching that. Um, Dean Lewington, well, yeah, maybe he's a bit new, but, um, <laughs> no, but it's just you know, we, we there's not many players that it's you know the Oygoke oh, okay, it's his first loan. But even say someone like Henry Lawrence, it's not his first time in English football. He's had a full season and, you know, one that was, I'm sure, full of learning. So, no, I don't think that. I think, yeah, characters I'd maybe lean towards. I think, you know, maybe someone like Troy Parrott, who was just, he was desperate to win all the time. I've never seen, you know, I'd still stand by it. probably the hardest play, working player I've ever seen at Dons, or certainly up there, Um you know, harry Darling, we always we know how vocal he was but you know at the same time you got you got someone like dan harvey you know dan harvey's still there and he was always um he's always you know kind of geeing people up and you can see that so yeah maybe a lack of characters potentially but i don't know i, I do think that those those things are important but uh, I think this is one of them where it's just hard for us to say because we uh, ultimately it's speculation. You know, True. I think um, yeah. I remember that when we were speaking to Russell Martin and we were saying, "Oh, who do you think will, you know, become a manager out of the team?" and we the player he said that surprised all of us was Matt O'Reilly, and we were like, mm. oh, "What, really?" Yeah. You know, <laughs> and and he was the one that was given the captain's armband at Bolton, and mm. all of us probably would have said. Uh, you know Josh McEachran or or um, Harry Dart you know none of us would have said straight up that we'd have thought that it'd be Matt O'Reilly getting that captain's armband so yeah I think there's um, you know maybe there's things behind the doors that we just don't know about and you know character I think definitely is important but it's hard to measure I guess you can't just uh, look it up on a spreadsheet
1: yeah exactly data can't tell you character it's about how you how you see them in person and what they're like and you know from what the club said in their recruitment they, they recruit the right personalities so hopefully we'll, we'll see them on the pitch over the coming months and uh, maybe when results pick up um, that's what happens but hey we'll, we'll see we'll see okay enough of top up posh let's move on to Sprewsbury on Saturday afternoon obviously Salah Pro team we know very well played them a lot over the recent years um, whether we've been behind the table or they've been behind the table um, so, yeah, it's a team that, you know, we you like to think we should know a bit about them and they should know a bit about us, but I mean, Joe, how have they started the season overall?
0: Um, in one word, I guess you could say, OK. <laughs> um, they're sort of best of the rest at the moment in terms of their are 13th at the moment and they've been fairly just as you would expect, I guess, with, with Shrewsbury. Um, they edge close games. They've lost a few games close. Um, you know, they're, so they're currently sit 13th, um, five points ahead of MK Dons. Haven't played a game more, I might add. Um, scoring 11 goals in 11 games and conceding just 13. Um, so, you know, we, one thing you're gonna, always going to get with Shrewsbury, uh, still managed by Steve Cotrell, is they're going to be well organised. And I think we've seen in games we've played against Shrewsbury in the last two or three years, they're never a thriller. But the way Shrews we play, it does the job really. Um, they're never really in any trouble. Um, and, and this, you know, transfer window, they've actually started to bring in a little bit of quality um, that maybe they, they might not have had before. And I think that's maybe helped them just get over the line in a few games. Uh, Tom midfielders Tom Bayliss and Jordan Shipley, formerly of Coventry City, add a bit of flair to that midfield. Um, they've also got um, uh, Tom Flanagan. As well as Che Dunkley, Che Dunkley. Um, for those that don't remember, was the guy that won about six headers in a row for Sheffield Wednesday from corners um, in last season's away game. <laughs> so yeah, look forward to that, guys. Um, and they've got a very, very experienced team as uh, there. So Carl Winchester as well, very good player um, from. He was uh, got promoted with Sunderland, of course, last season. And Aidan O'Brien as well, also with Sunderland. Not necessarily a goal-scoring forward, but a tidy forward who links play really well. Um, And then I think probably the jewel in the crown is Luke Leahy, uh, or maybe Marco Morosi, the goalkeeper. Luke Leahy, he can play left back, he can play left midfield, he can play in the centre of the park, and he's just, yeah, hell of a left foot. Um, But I think, yeah, what we can expect from Shrewsbury is a tight-knit defence, um, there's not gonna, they're not going to be giving much away. I remember the game last season, they just sat back, sat back, sat back, and they got us with a hell of a sucker punch on the counter-attack. Um, and, you know, that's what they can do. And they've got the goalkeeper and the defence to be able to just sit back and say, go on, have a go. And if they're saying that to us, well, yeah, that's going to be fun because, as we've seen, we've not exactly been potent this year. Um, us ourselves only scoring 11 goals this season. Um, so, yeah, what, you know, I, I'm hardly doing um, doing a great job of advertising the game. Um, but, you know what, Shrewsbury, they, they are a decent team. Um, but I think, Liam, you mentioned just before the pod, um, you know, they have actually lost to Cheltenham recently. Um, they lost 4-0 to uh, to Port Vale in the Papa John's and they also lost to Port Vale in the league within the last sort of three or four games. So, you know, they're by no means invincible, but they're certainly a team that they can upset anyone on their day. Um, but at the same time, you know, that you wouldn't put it past them to maybe drop a clanger. So um, anyone's game really, but not going to be easy for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, this series team are really, you know, definition of mid table and I've the 13th for a reason. You know, looking a bit into the data, I'm, I'm not going to do any better at selling this game as did, To be honest with you, I mean, the, I mean, the, in terms of actually scoring goals, it's, it's, a, it's a good sign, I suppose. they're the, they're the third worst team in the league. Um, obviously, Don's are worse at the moment by some margin, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, because well, actually
0: scored more per game than them. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. However, definitely.
0: we've had a few more set pieces, and um, yeah, I, I think the the goals on Saturday might have massaged the figures
1: slightly. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, I mean, speaking of set-pieces, I mean, Shrewsbury are one of the, in terms of XG perspective, they're, like, bottom three in terms of conceding chances of set-pieces. So, you know, if, if Dons can get an edge there, maybe there's a chance to get a goal or two from that situation. But, yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the build-up play, both teams like to just hold the ball a lot. Um, you know, they're literally second and third least in terms of direct speed, which, you know, and obviously we know about Dons is, you know, Session with purpose, um, Shrewsbury's is a bit less like that, but it's still the sort of same in terms of build-up play. Um, and then yeah, even even when it comes down to like controlling the pitch, you know, literally Dons and Shrewsbury are exactly the same areas in terms of where they dominate it in and around their box and up towards the halfway line, but everywhere else on the pitch is just the opposition. So we're actually very similar. I mean, the only thing that doesn't really doesn't really add up between the two of us is the PPDA which is depressing data and Suju's data is a bit higher than us in terms of pressing so they're going to try and force the stakes of us to win the ball up higher the pitch a bit more than we will um, but yeah two very similar teams who um, despite where our league positions say are actually quite well yeah it's very similar in general and probably us being yours at twentieth or something like that uh, is maybe a bit of a bit of a false league position but we'll see uh, Ross is there any any sort of players that Joe didn't mention that stand out to yourself?
2: I'm, I'm, I'm so glad Shrewsbury got rid of, rid of Sean Wally. <laughs> you should <laughs> score against him
1: every single time he played against him.
2: But no, the, the, the obviously important thing with Shrewsbury is that they want you to play to their game. And I think, obviously, Cottrell, he, with with his tactics, he will want obviously us to pump it long and make it a physical game. And I think, obviously... Joe mentioned about Luke Leahy, obviously the wing-back, the left wing-back. Um, he he does the defensive work so well, and just looking at his data, he's, he's, he's averaging 3.1 tackles a game. Obviously, just um, just shy of two interceptions a game, and he wins about 63% of his duels. So, um, it, you get a gauge, obviously, this this Cottrell side will be well drilled at the back, and um, we will struggle, but also... We do struggle with set pieces, as we know. And Ryan Bowman up top. He's he's a very very physical striker. So it'd be be interesting to see set pieces wise how we deal with them. Um because of I think they're not that they definitely won't outplay us in terms of obviously playing the football around. It'll be a case of taking taking their chance on obviously crosses and set pieces. So it'd be interesting to see how we deal with that. But yeah, overall, it's, I think it's going to be 7-6. Um, oh. Exciting for the away fans. Uh, no, so but 7-6 yes. successful
0: passes in the game. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: no, but yeah. Um, it's, it's It's going to be a pretty grim viewing, I'm not going to lie.
0: Oh, I bet, I'll tell you what, 7-6, that's going to be the shot count, isn't it? It's going to be. <laughs>
2: <an>
0: Absolutely, <laughs> or, or the minute which me, 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 Ollie, and Ross will be leaving the away end.
2: Oh, yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's. I don't think it would be a spec spectacle, but um. Yeah, yeah I'm not really painting it. it very well.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, I was going to ask you your score predictions, gents. For a lot of sounds things, you don't seem to be expecting much, are you?
2: Oh,
1: but no. What are uh, we
0: doing? Are we doing score predictions?
1: I mean, yeah, let's go for it. Why not? Um, there, there's not going to be a lot. Even, even if you go from whether it's head-to-head, current form, just watching Dons for five minutes, you know that there's not going to be a lot of goals and this game, unfortunately. Um, probably Sods will be like five. There'll be like 3-10 or something. Um, but I, I'm going to go 1-0 Dons, and let be positive. Uh, we're to last away a game. Uh, why can't we win this one? Ross, what are you thinking?
2: Um Recent performances show that
1: we can't. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, Oxford, what are you on about? Uh, West Ham, come on! We, oh
2: yeah, West Ham. The West
1: Dennis West Hamer. Masterclass, come I'll on! Take
2: that. Um, no, I've, I do feel like it'd be one, one goal separating the teams, and because it's Shrewsbury and it's away and everything about that place, <laughs> I think we will lose one 0 It's oh. two negatives on the bounce for me. Um, yeah, it's it's not going to be a pretty viewing on Saturday for sure.
1: 1-0 no win, one no loss, Joe. What are you saying?
2: Yeah, I'm also going for
0: 1-0. No, um, Shrewsbury. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I I I live in hope. But, you know, what was it? Prepare, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I'd love us. Right, here we go. I'm going to caveat this. We play four at the back, we win 2-1. We play three at the back, we lose
1: 1-0. Like it. Well, half of it, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: no, there we go. That's my, that's my fault. All
1: right. Well, I mean... God or even best. if we
0: play three at the back and start two bloody wingers instead of Grant and Smith. I like Grant. I like Smith. They're not bloody wingers.
1: No, no they're definitely not wingers. No.
0: I'd, I'd even say... Give Smith a go at right wing-back because he's played there for the country of Wales. You know, he's played international football at right wing-back and looked all right. And we, I remember last season, we spoke about central midfielders that have been converted into wing-backs and Max Power was one of the best full-backs in the league and he spent 10 years playing as a central midfielder.
2: Give That's
1: it a uh, go. I think Ben Gladwin back, 2nd left wing-back. Happy days. Gladwin and uh, Smith. Said
2: Conor, someone said Conor McGrandles as well, didn't they? I love
0: my Conor You know I do, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> but no, why not? You know, Matt Smith, he's probably the best suited to play that position. And, you know, bar tonight, of course. Um, why not give it a go? Because everything we've... Because the thing is, with this season, under Russ, when we were mid-table and, you know, it was either the sublime or the shite, so to speak. You could at least see what we were trying to do. Yeah, and there was this—you know—the data to back it up. In terms of, oh, look, if he didn't make that mistake, we've been fine. You know, oh, there's not too much to clean on at the moment, so maybe we do need to just do something, just just change something up. Because, as I said, we're doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results.
1: Well, we we will see on Saturday about what happens with this and if if we change it up a bit. And yeah, if you are going, um, yeah, I mean, fair play to you to be honest, because it's uh, it's a long old trip, and especially how we're playing at the moment. But you know, you have got to back the boys, and hopefully they turn it around and get another away win for Leeway fans that do follow them home and away. So, so, everyone just go have a safe trip. Obviously, it'd be a long one, but hopefully get back safe and sound with the three points. And until then, come on, you non's.